0: This week, Sister Barkas teaches on the topic, not the voice of mastery. So, uh, tonight, Brother Lopez called me last night. I'm leaving for Florida tomorrow, and so uh, my whole life right now is just kind of discombobulated. I haven't packed one thing. My mom, you know, I've talked to her. She's in Florida waiting on me, and she's, the last several days, are you packed yet? I'm like, Mom, I haven't, not one thing. And uh, so I I just kind of feel disjointed. And yet at the same time, I really feel like the Lord gave me a little thought. How would you like to wake up in the night with this saying going over and over and over in your head? And I'm trying to find it. (laughs) It says, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Yeah, I'm weird. (laughs) And I, I would sleep and I would wake up and it, this little thought, it's not the voice of mastery. I was like, ugh. And then I'm like, I prayed before I went to bed because I need the Lord to give me something for tonight. And all I would get was, it's not the voice of mastery. And I'm thinking, what in the world could that be? So anyway, I'm teaching um, today in Bible class. We're, we're, we're teaching, I'm teaching a class on Israel through the wilderness. And that particular scripture I had read... And it was uh, just going over and over in my head. So today as I'm teaching that and I'm, I'm reading that scripture, it wasn't actually that phrase that really got my attention today, but it was the last phrase of that particular verse. And so I'm going to start off with this, but then I'm going to have to go back and build some background uh, so it makes any sense. The verse says, it's in Exodus 32 and 18, And this is Moses speaking. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. But the noise of them that sing do I hear. And so, I'm not going to really give it a title. But if I gave it a title, I would be saying, what song are you singing? What song are you singing? You know, songs are... uh, Now, I'm not a songwriter. Alex, you have, did he leave again? Oh, there he is, back there in the corner. Um, I know Alex has written a song before, probably more than one. Songs are born out of the soul and out of the heart. The songs that we still sing that were sung many, 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 many moons ago are songs that somehow touch the heart and the soul. Uh, Some of them are religious, some of them are not religious. Uh, you know, I still love to sing "Walking in the Rain" with the one I love. You know, somebody wrote that and it touched my heart one day. Now, you guys probably don't never heard that song, and that's okay. Uh, but there's songs that are born out of the heart. When I am extremely uh, happy about something, I just start singing. Now, I don't know if anybody else in this room is like that. Uh, let me, just so I don't feel like I'm out on a bridge by myself. Is there anybody else in here that sings in the shower? A few of you. It's okay because you can sing off key and nobody knows. Except the dog. If he, You know, it may howl or something like that. Um, I love to sing. And especially, it's just like when I'm feeling good in God, I just start singing and it just comes from my soul. Uh, I remember it's been a few years ago, uh, my youngest daughter, our youngest daughter, Brittany, had been very sick, and she was she was getting better, and uh, things were just looking up, and I was driving to school, and I was just singing from the bottom of my heart. Just me and the steering wheel. I was just singing, 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 and somebody looked at me like, uh, what are you doing? Has that ever happened to you, where you're singing in the car and somebody's looking at you? Now it's not so bad anymore because with you know those dumb little ear things, you can talk on the phone. And you, I remember the first time I saw somebody talking, and evidently it was you know it was a phone, and I didn't realize that. And I'm like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> well, that's kind of the way they were looking at me because uh, she's just what is she doing? An old lady singing a song, and uh, it was like, but I didn't really care. I didn't care what they thought because I knew what I was thinking, and I knew that I was singing because there was something in my heart. And so we look at this little passage of scripture, and it's a—it's a actually a conversation. So, are you guys ready for some Bible teaching now? All right. So this is going to be—it—it it, it may seem scattered, but it's—it's it's just I'm just going to talk the Bible today. All right. I don't have too many really cute stories or anything. And actually, I wrote my notes on my cell phone, and I have no idea how to use that when I'm teaching. So we're in trouble. I'll just tell you that right now. Whenever you're ready for chips and pop, just raise your hand and we'll just stop, okay? Um, but that, the, the uh, scripture that I read to you was a conversation between Joshua and Moses. Now, Joshua, at this point in time, was what we call the minister of Moses, It was like the servant of Moses. That's not a bad word, a servant. It was just like, he was like the understudy, even though he didn't know he was the understudy. God hadn't revealed to Joshua that he was going to be the next leader. He hadn't revealed it to Moses that Joshua was going to be the next leader, but God knew. And so God set up different things in the life of Joshua so that um, he was getting all the uh, practice that he needed. The first time we see Joshua is there's a group of Amalekites. It was an enemy that came in and attacked the children of Israel. And so they had to put a little army together and they chose Joshua to be the head of the war. And they told him, go out and choose people and uh, then you're going to go and fight. And they ended up winning that war. That was the first time we see Joshua. In this particular story, Moses is getting ready to go up into the mountain to receive the tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. And Moses takes Joshua, and the Bible doesn't tell us how far he goes, but Joshua goes somewhere, it appears, up on the mountain, although he doesn't go all the way up to the mountain, in the mountain where Moses and God talk. But he goes farther than anybody else. And so Moses, or Joshua is there in the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights because that's how long Moses is there. So he's down by himself for 40 days and 40 nights. So Moses, he's talking to God. God gives him these Ten Commandments or whatever all is written on the two tables of stone. And God says, by the way, Moses, I just want to tell you that I am mad. And I am mad because all of the, and he calls them your people. Your people have given themselves over to this golden calf. So God tells Moses about this, and God is ready to go and just annihilate everybody. He is uh, ready to go down and kill them all. He says to Moses, I'll tell you what, I'll just kill all of them, and I will make a new covenant with you. And Moses is like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. You made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You've got to keep that promise. And not only that, but if you kill all these people, what are the Egyptians going to think? And God, remember, you brought them out with a mighty hand. And so God and Moses is having this back and forth. And the Bible actually says that God repented of the evil that he was thinking to do. Which doesn't mean he got on his knees and said, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, sorry. Repentance really means to turn and go the opposite direction. So instead of killing all of them, he, he doesn't do that. And so then he hands Moses these two tables. So Moses in his mind knows that there's a golden calf and everybody's down there worshiping it. So he's coming down from the mountain and wherever he left Joshua, I hope I'm not boring you. This is, this is to me, this is, a, this is good. I love the Bible. This is good stuff. So he meets up with Joshua, and Joshua says, Hey, Moses, I've been hearing something, and it sounds like the sound of war. It sounds like the children of Israel are down there fighting. There's a big war going on. Well, imagine now, here's a little side note. Joshua, being the head of the uh, army, so to speak, he stays because Moses has put him in a location, and I found that fascinating that even though a woman didn't write the Bible and we don't have all the particulars, he, there's something in his heart that he would love to have run down probably in God in this war, supposed war. But he is obedient to the man of God, and he stays put, which is interesting. So he says, I hear the sound of war, and Moses says to him, it's not war. Now remember, how does Moses know? He's just talked to God. He knows there's no war going on. And so he says to Joshua, no, it's not war, and it's not the voice of them that shout for mastery. In other words, it's not the voice, you're not hearing the voice of somebody that is victorious in battle, neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome. So, not, you're, not, you're not hearing people being victorious, and you're also not hearing people that are being defeated. But Moses says, but the noise that you hear, the noise of them, it's the noise of them that sing, do I hear? Now, when we first look at that, and we're thinking about someone singing, we're thinking, wow, this is awesome. They're down there singing. But the fact is, they're singing the wrong song. When do we ever hear of the children of Israel ever singing before? Were you in church Sunday night? You had heard this. Or Sunday morning, maybe it was. I don't remember. When they crossed the Red Sea. Now remember, the children of Israel have been in captivity in Egypt for about 400 and some years. And God hears their groanings. I mean, they, they, are, they are slaves. It's, it's bad. They're making, having to make their own bricks. They're, it's, it's just a bad, bad, bad time. And so God hears their cries. And so he, he sends a man, the man that we've just been talking about, Moses to go down to Egypt to deliver his people. And we know the story. There's the plagues and all those kinds of things. And then the last plague, the, uh, the firstborn in every household dies except for in, among the children of Israel. And Pharaoh finally says they can go. And so Moses delivers them by the hand of the Almighty God and he brings them out into uh, the wilderness and they, uh, the Egyptians actually start to chase them again. And they come with their finest chariots. And the Lord blows that wind all night in the Red Sea parts. And they walk through on dry ground. And it was absolutely a fantastic miracle. Um, and so then the Egyptians are swallowed up in that same water because it closes up. And when they get on the other side, the children of Israel, with Moses, they begin to sing the song of deliverance. They sing the song about how God came into Egypt and delivered them with a mighty hand. They sing the song about the Red Sea parting and they went through on dry ground. They sing the song about the waters coming back together and swallowing up up all the Egyptians in their chariots. They sing about a God that brought them through, and it's a wonderful song. It's the song of Moses, and then then we have um, Miriam, the sister of Moses. She takes the ladies aside, and they get their tambourines, and they continue to sing. I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and rider hath he thrown into the sea. It's a song of victory. It's a song of deliverance. That was the last time that the children of Israel had been singing until this time. And Moses says to Joshua, I hear them singing. But Moses knew in his heart that it was the wrong song. It wasn't a song of deliverance. And so Moses and Joshua, they go down the mountain And they see, (laughs) it's absolute craziness. There's Aaron, there's the children of Israel, they're dancing. Uh, It even appears, now different scholars have different opinions, but it says they were dancing naked. What a sight. Some people say they were just naked in their soul, not naked in body. I don't know. But they're dancing before this molten golden calf and Moses just has a fit and he throws down these tablets that God's written with his own finger. Can you imagine? I mean, I go to auctions all the time. It's like, what would those things go for? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, the literal hand of God's writing, you know, we, we try to collect the Beatles' signature or something, you know, and it's like, no, the literal hand of God, and he breaks them. He's so <laughs> mad. You know, here he was chewing God out for being exceedingly fiercely wrath, and now he's, the Bible says he waxed mad or angry or something like that. How do they get like this? When Moses went up into the mountain for 40 days, he put Aaron in charge. Aaron and her actually, Aaron it appears was was the one that was majorly in charge. Not too long before Moses went up into the mountain, this is this is interesting. Now, I know I'm doing a lot of Bible teaching here, so I, I hope I haven't lost you in the are you lost? You would say that. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, right before Moses goes up into the mountain, Aaron and 70 of the elders went with Moses up to meet God. This is, And this is stuff that you just kind of read over, but if you take the time to look at it, it's, it's really, I think it's fascinating. And they go up into a part of the mountain and it's like, you remember in the New Testament the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus is his clothes and everything's so bright and, and it' was just like awesome. And it appears that it's the Old Testament, like transfiguration. And so here's these 70 elders and Aaron, and they are, they are there in the presence of God, where God is showing a portion of his glory. They're just seeing, it, and they, it, the Bible talks about it being just the brightness. It was just the clearness. And so, you know, we know God doesn't have a body, but it's like he's manifesting forth some of his glory. So here's Aaron. He has absolutely been in the presence of the almighty God, someplace where nobody has ever been before. And uh, it was just really cool, and the the really neat thing about that part of the story is God shows off this this amazing thing, and then they sit down to eat and drink, and I'm like, yes! That means God likes food. You guys don't get it, you know, the thing that I used to worry about going to heaven is that there would be no food there. Well, there's the marriage supper of the Lamb, I found out, and Sister Mangan said, we're going to eat, and so I'm all about going to heaven now it's like food 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 and so you find this food thing but but the cool thing is here's Aaron he's been in he's been in this awesome presence of God and not probably more than 40 45 days later when people go to him and say "Ah, oh, we think maybe Moses is dead he's been gone for 40 days we don't what if an animal got him you, then there was a fire on top of the mountain which was like the glory of God what if, the, what if he got burned up? I mean, we haven't heard from him. And so they go to Aaron, who's just been in the presence of God, seeing part of the glory of God. And they say, up, make us gods that will go before us. Because as for this Moses, we don't know what, what's happened to him. I thought about it. How could these people get to the point where they were saying, make us gods, Aaron? And how could we get to the point where Aaron would do such a thing after having just experienced what he did in God? Now, it's interesting. I know I've lost you. I can just feel it. If I lost you, just tell me the truth. You can eat chips. <laughs> it's all about food, folks. Have I not lost you yet? Are, are, are you getting some of this? I know it's history, 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 history. I love history. I hated science, but I loved history. So here's these people. Moses is gone. He's been gone for 40 days or almost 40 days at this point in time. And they're feeling so alone. But before Moses goes up into the mountain... God gives him the Ten Commandments verbally. you got to get this. The Lord gives them the Ten Commandments. The first one, which is, Thou shalt have no other gods before thee. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not bow down or worship. And so the Lord gives these to Moses. He tells them to the people, and the children of Israel say this. Whatever the Lord says, we will do. And then they say, whatever the Lord says, we will obey. And about 40 days later, they're going to Aaron, saying, make us gods to go before us. So well, I thought about that. They're on a spiritual high, but 40 days later, they're wanting other gods. Aaron has just had a a spiritual, spiritual high by seeing some of the glory of God, and he's willing to make these gods. (laughs) And I'm like, what happened to these people? These people that have been miraculously delivered by the hand of God from Egypt, They've miraculously walked through the Red Sea by the mighty hand of God. They've got water out of a rock by the miracle of God. They've heard the voice of the Lord giving them their commandments. And let me just throw this in about the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments was not, the Ten Commandments and the other verses that follow the judgments of God were not given because God was some meanie. What was happening was God was building a nation, and every nation has to have laws and rules. When they came over on the Mayflower, before they ever got off of the Mayflower, what did they have? Hey, history buffs. The Mayflower Compact, is that right, history teacher? Why did they do that? It was laws, because when they got off, people can't just do whatever they want to do. So God, his giving these commandments, sometimes you look at it and go, man, God, just thou shalt not, thou shalt not. God was setting up a nation and he knew he had to have laws and rules for these people to follow so that they would have a good nation. So he gives these commandments and they go, like, whatever you say, God, we will do it. But approximately 40 days later, they're saying, make us gods, which breaks the two, first two or three commandments that God's given. So I asked myself, if I had lived in that time, would that have been me? Singing the song of deliverance, crossing the Red Sea, I would be all about that. I I dream about that story. Waving to little fishies as I walk through. (laughs) I mean, you know, They had to have been there. I mean, and they were probably trying to figure out what was going on. You know, bumping their heads. And I don't. I would have probably drowned with the Egyptians because I would have been taking my time getting through. You know, just trying to figure out all the cool stuff in the water. It's like, but what would I have done? I I would have sang that song because I, when God does something marvelous for me, I sing. I do. I just usually whenever I go to teach somewhere. And, and I try not to be this boring, but you, you got to just give me some space tonight. I usually start with, I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. But then I had to ask myself, has there ever been times in my life where after I've had a major victory from God, do I sing a different song 40 days later? So then I went back and I thought, okay, let's, let's kind of look, why did they ask for gods? And this is what I came up with. They felt alone. They felt like God was nowhere around. They felt like God had brought them out and given them some mighty miracles, but he had left them. Have you ever felt like that? Let's be honest here. Have you ever felt like that? You ever felt like, good grief, God, where are you? You're omnipresent, but I sure don't feel it. You ever walk through those times when it's like, where is God? There's no money, or there's no health, or there's no boyfriend, or there's no girlfriend. And I don't say that being facetious I once was single and I remember sitting in the back seat of the car the night before my younger sister got married and I didn't even have a date for the little dinner and I remember sitting in the back seat of the car saying what's up God and it was pretty much about like that too it's amazing that I am alive today (laughs) Hello, Jesus! I was the Bible quizzer. (laughs) I was the one that always obeyed my mother. And it's my bratty little sister that's getting married today, tomorrow. And I said to God, It is not fair. And in my heart, it was not fair. I still don't think it is And when we get to heaven. I'm going to have a little chat with him about that. (laughs) Those moments when everything goes wrong and you've been trying to live right and you wonder where God is. What do you do? in those moments. The reality was, they felt like God had just deserted them. But the reality was, God hadn't died. God was still around. They felt like their leader was gone. Moses, <laughs> good grief, he went up there 40 days ago, we haven't heard from him, and there's, you know, that was pre-cell phone. I don't even know that, you know, they did um, Native American uh, smoke signals or anything. They had not heard from Moses for 40 days and 40 nights. But the reality was, Moses was not dead. Their leader was alive and well, getting handwritten notes from God. But they felt like their leader was gone. They felt like they couldn't make it without a leader right there. But the reality was they had Aaron. They had a bunch of excuses. And so they go to Aaron, who should have known better. Aaron, who had seen the brightness and the glory of God, and they said, make us God's. Notice it's God's. There's one true God. Where did they get that God's thing? They got it in Egypt. They were going back to the bondage that God delivered them from. They said, make us God's to go before us. And so Aaron, he's a wimp. And maybe if a woman had written the Bible, there might have been some argument from him. But in chapter 32, the way it's written, he doesn't argue one bit. He says, oh, just break off your golden earrings that's in the ears of your wives and your sons. See, they even had, even the boys wore them back then, and your daughters, and bring them to me. And so they break off these golden earrings, and they bring them to Aaron, and they, I don't know how they do it, but they make this molten calf. Now, it's interesting, where did they get that gold? Egypt. How did they get it in Egypt? Why? Why did the Egyptians open up their, their uh, pocketbooks or their cabinets and say, here, take this gold, take this silver, take, take these, take, take. How did they do that? We'll give you anything if you just leave. But you know what I think? I think it was one of those cool God moments. They had been slaves in Egypt all this time and never really got pay. And God says, I'll, I'll get you your pay back. Trust the Lord. Trust the, trust the Lord. He'll give you your, he'll make it up to you somehow. They open up everything and give Gold. The interesting thing is, when Moses goes up into the mountain and talks to God, you know what the first thing God said? Anybody know? God says, I want you to take an offering. Oh, I don't remember where it is. Take an offering of gold and silver and whatever. And here, that little devil is down there getting that first offering of gold. So they give this gold. They make this golden calf, and Aaron, little wimp. He says, "I'll tell you what. Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord." What? And then they, so they, they're, they're calling this calf evidently the god that brought them out of Egypt. So stupid. And they rose up early and they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and they sat down to eat and drink. Now, I like that part again. But think about it. They make a feast to the Lord. They offer burnt offerings and peace offerings. What are they doing here? They're bringing part of the real religion and trying to make themselves feel better as they're bringing in this bad part to religion. That's what's happening today. It's the exact same thing but they're making themselves feel good because, well, we're offering burnt offerings and sacrifices. Excuses. Excuses. God hadn't died. Moses hadn't died. What was lacking? They didn't know how to hold on in the tough times. They had no faith in God. Now think about it. God went into Egypt and said, I saw what's going on. I'm going to deliver you because I made a promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and that promise is I'm going to make, multiply your seed and then I'm going to give you a land that I've prepared for you. Canaan land, I'm going to let you have that. That was the promise of God. And so tonight, when I was, I was just thinking about this, and I'm thinking, how can they go from singing this song of deliverance, from saying, yes, Lord, whatever you do, whatever you say, we'll do it, to make us gods. We don't know what happened to God. We don't know what happened to Moses. I thought, why didn't they have faith in God? I want you to go, I'm going to show you a really interesting scripture. Exodus chapter number 5. And then I'm going to give you just a little clue. When Moses first comes to town, he talks to the elders of Israel and he tells them about what God is wanting to do and they all agreed. They believed it. Then he tells the word of the Lord to the people. And I want us to look at chapter, did I say five? I meant chapter six, verse six. The Lord is saying to Moses here, I want you to say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. And I will bring you in unto the land concerning the which I did swear to give it to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And I will give it to you for a heritage. I am the Lord. Wow! If I'm a slave in Egypt, I'm like all about that. Except look what happens. And Moses spake so unto the children of Israel, but they hearkened not unto Moses for anguish of spirit and for cruel bondage. Something hit me tonight. I'm like, why 40 days after making a consecration to God did they build a golden calf and begin to worship it? Hit me tonight. Because they didn't. Believe the promise of God. God gave them the promise, but they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't accept it. So what did God do when they didn't accept it? Notice, the very next thing that happens in those chapters is they go into Pharaoh and we start the, the ten plagues. Was it ten plagues? Yeah, no, ten plagues. One, two, three, four. Was it ten? I always want to say twelve plagues, but it's ten, ten plagues. God tried to prove himself with his mighty acts, hoping that they would grasp on and say, God is so great, I'm going to believe in him. But you know what? You can have all kinds of miracles in your life and fall along the wayside if you don't swallow and believe the word of God. It's the word of God that will keep you. It's not grandma being healed of blindness. This is big. If you don't believe that God is going to see you through and take you to the new Jerusalem someday, you can find yourself singing the wrong song. I was like, God, oh, this is kind of heavy. (laughs) Please. I was like, no, no, this isn't heavy. This is cool. Because if you will accept what God has promised you, you're going to make it through when God seems like he's nowhere around, when it feels like leadership is nowhere around, because you can make it on the promise of God. If you will take what's in this book and hide it in your heart, You know, it's a little Sunday school memory verse. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We know it so well, but we, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't think about it. What's going to take me through those tough times, those lonely times? It's the word of God. It wasn't enough for the elders to believe what Moses said. The People didn't really believe it. That's the reason when they ran out of water, they said, what'd you do, bring us out here to die of thirst? What'd you bring us out here? We don't have any food. You just brought us out here to die? They say that all all over the the Old Testament. You just brought us out here to die. Are you kidding? God said, I'm going to bring you through, and I'm going to take you to a new land that I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They didn't believe the word. (laughs) I tell you, you can make it through anything that, that happens to you in life. If you'll trust in this book. But the opposite side of that is, if you don't believe this book. You'll do something as foolish as making a golden calf. He said, "Well, I'm not going to make a golden calf." It's called idolatry. It's called making a god out of something that's not a god. I, th- I today I was like, "That's so stupid to build a golden calf." They're like, "Where is Where's Moses? How are we going to get around? Do you think that little calf is going to lead you? Where's it going to take you? It can't hear, it can't see, it can't move. You guys are morons. And, And yet, how many times have I been a moron? When I don't believe the book. But there have been moments in my life that have been tough, tough, tough. And this was the only thing that got me through. With this, I promise you, I'm going to make it to the new Jerusalem. But if this isn't important to me, when times get tough, I might find myself singing a song to the God of idolatry. There's no God in this world that's going to save us. It's only Him. I love Him. I love His Word. Now, not every verse in here is the promise for you. It's like, I, you know, I have a crazy brain. I was thinking, okay, there's a promise in there. This time next year, you're going to have a baby. Oh, no, I don't want that promise. That's not the, But in context, there's a God that loves me. There's a God that's going to see me through. There's a God that's going to walk with me. There's a scripture. There's a promise that says, I will never leave you. i forsake you. But there's moments when I feel like he's up on a mountain and he must have died too in that fire. I I can't blame the people for thinking. The Bible says they looked and it looked like the top of the mountain was on fire. 40 days later, I would be thinking, yeah, he probably burned up. Sometimes faith is just... (sighs) Digging in your heels 41 days because Moses came back and God was still God, and God still took people to the promised land. Alex, come back to that first song you sang tonight. I don't even remember what it was, but it was something about trusting the Lord. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus. Repeat Proverbs, you should have this on your, you have this on your mirror. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. You say, but I haven't seen God for a while. Forty-one days is coming. That forty-first day is coming. Have faith in God and in God's word, and that's really all I have to say. But I want to sing with Alex, so, and I'd like for all of you to join us. Won't you stand? I hope this made sense. It's all about being saved. It's all about singing the song of triumph. Singing the right song. And holding on. Let's sing it.